Hey, welcome to our Public Church podcast. We hope this message blesses you today. For more information on Public Church, please see us on www.public.church. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much, Lord, that this is your word. They're not my words, Lord. These are your words. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that today that you would take every word that comes out of my mouth, that you would anoint it, Father, that it would go into the heart of every person here and that we would each take from it whatever it is that we need to hear this morning. I thank you, Lord, for what you are building here at Public Church. I thank you that this is a church that carries your name, that glorifies your name, that holds your name. And we ask that today your name again would be glorified today and in our lives this week. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, quick recap. If you have not been, uh, or if you've missed any of the series, I would suggest you go back to the podcast and have a listen. Shane Willard introduced the Ten Commandments as a marriage proposal. So I just was going to very briefly recap. It was incredible. I don't know if you remember any of the words, but he called it the five-word ketubah. So in and around the Ten Commandments, the Hebrew people would have seen these five words, which meant that the marriage proposal was actually, sorry, the Ten Commandments were a marriage proposal to these people who had once been slaves. And it was God saying to them, come into relationship with me. I don't want you to be slaves any longer. I want you to be free. And this is how to live free, which is so relevant to you and I today, because these 10 commandments are still the best way for our society and us as individuals to live free. They're not commandments, they're statements. They're all about living fully human with God in us, And these commands, they never saw this as law. They actually saw these 10 statements as the most gracious gift they'd ever been given. Because all of a sudden, they were being wooed into a relationship with a heavenly father who was saying, come and be mine. And for the first time ever, their wife, their life, and their things were going to be protected. So that's a bit of a background that Shane talked about. Then last week, Isaiah did an incredible job talking about the first two commandments. Thou shalt have no other gods, and thou shalt not worship false gods. I'm using the old language because we've called the series Thou Shall Not, okay? Just indulge me. A little bit of King James. Now, Isaiah spoke about how that was relevant to culture back then, but it's relevant to culture today because it's all about how we often only trust what we can see. And this is why we've carve. That's why they used to carve false gods back then. But how relevant that is because today you and I still carve false gods. They just don't look like the false gods that Isaiah put on the screen last week, some of whom were extremely disturbing. (laughs) The images were really disturbing. But we still carve our own gods. Why? Because we trust more in the things that we can see. We carve the god of our finances and our career and our families and our health and all these other things because we trust what we cannot see. Sorry, we trust what we can see, whereas God was saying in those first two commandments, I don't want you to do that. I want you to trust me who you cannot see. And then today, this is where we're going today, thou shall not take the Lord's name in vain. Now, I was going to do two commandments today, but I couldn't get past this one. So I'm sorry, Isaiah, who I think is preaching again next week. We're going to take it slow and easy through the Ten Commandments because there is so much in there. We're not hurrying to fit into our little six-week series. If we go for 10 or 12 weeks, let's do it. Thou shall not take the Lord's name in vain. Exodus 20 verse 7. I promise you this command does not, not, not mean what you think it means. I've always ticked this one of, oh, yeah, I don't, I don't take the Lord's name in vain. I don't, I don't swear. Did you ever get in trouble growing up for taking the Lord's name in vain? 
I remember I got in trouble at school. I was sitting at my high school. I was at a Christian high school, and I was in typing class. They need to bring back typing class. I watch my kids type. That is not typing. This is typing. Yeah, we need to bring it back. Anyway, I made a mistake on my 73 words a minute that I could type at the time, and I said, oh, damn. And the deputy principal was sitting on the desk facing exactly me. Oh, I never got in trouble in high school, ever. Not like Cameron, who got the cane twice. I never got in trouble. I'm like the epitome of the opposite of Cameron. I don't know how we ended up married. It was actually a, his teachers now think it's hilarious that he's married to a teacher. Anyway, I said the word damn, and my deputy looked up, and he goes, excuse me, I don't think you better talk like that. I was devastated. <laughs> I was like, I'm really sorry. My mum, my auntie used to always say, go blimey, guys, go blimey. She didn't sound quite that bogan, but go blimey. My mum would be like, don't say that, you're asking God to blind you. And I remember thinking, what? Go blimey, okay, I can kind of see a connection there. But it's actually got nothing to do with language. Although, of course, we shouldn't take the Lord's name in vain and we shouldn't be irreverent about the Lord's name. But we make this command all about swearing. But the problem is, if you're, you know, if you think, well, I don't do that, tick that box, move on to the next commandment. But this is the thing. In the Word of God, there is always something more going on. There is always something deeper that God is trying to show us. So, thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain. What the Hebrew people saw, and I think we've got screens. Oh, Trish and I are teaming today. I can't see it. There she is. She's going to do the good job. I've got lots of screens today. Can you guys take notes if you can or, or snapshot this and add it into your notes? You know you can do that. Take photos and add it into your notes. It's change your life. This is what they saw. Nasar, Shav, Hashem. They're the three words that the Hebrews would have seen. Nasar is the word take. The word vain comes from the Hebrew word shav, and the word name comes from the Hebrew word Hashem. What does this mean? Nasar means to carry or to lift the weight of or to clothe yourself. Vain or shav means emptiness or anything that disappoints, and name, Hasham, means the name. Can you see how that has completely changed the meaning of thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain. Simply put, the Hebrews would have understood this to be, do not carry the name. We've got it in our English version as the word take, and we take that as don't take the Lord's name, don't use it. It doesn't mean that at all. The Hebrew word nasar means to carry. Don't carry the Lord's name in a way that disappoints. Whoa. I reckon I could, like, drop mic drop and walk off. <laughs> like, that's amazing. That, there's so much more meaning in that. What he's saying is the way you carry my name in your life matters. Please don't carry my name in a way that disappoints the hope that rests in the name of God. That kind of means there's a lot of responsibility on you and me. So let me ask you this, how is your life carrying God's name? And I don't mean let's take a snapshot of a year, I mean what if someone were to take a little video of how you reacted when the waitress got your order wrong? Cameron, 
I love Vicky on Cameron. I'm sorry. He's just pickable. It's the teacher naughty, naughty person in the front row syndrome. Front row, front row. What if I would, someone were to take a video of when someone cut you off in traffic? I must say, I don't think I want them to take a video of me. It always seems to be mums in four-wheel drives. Can I just say, I'm sorry, I'm a mum and I have a four-wheel drive, but I don't do it. You can clap for that, Andrew. I, I can say it because I'm a mum with a four-wheel drive, but I don't cut people off. It's always mums in four-wheel drives. But if I would take a video, how are you carrying the name? What about when you, the way that you speak to your children, the way that you spoke to your wife or your husband this morning? Now, when I was 13, some of you are aware of my, my story, but my mom remarried uh, a man from my old church. So my parents were divorced, his wife had died, and then my mom and him remarried. And I was 13 at the time, and all of a sudden I had not just my mom and my sister, I had a stepdad, a stepbrother, and a stepsister. And we used to play the part and go to church in our Ford station wagon, which I was the youngest, second youngest, and I was the smallest. I had to sit in the bucket seat at the front. It was so embarrassing. We would arrive into church, Paradise Community Church. We would sit in the massive big balcony, and we would worship, and we would amen, and then we'd smile at everyone, and we'd get back in the car. And even before we got out the driveway, there was fighting and bickering. My home life was nothing of what it seemed like on the outside. And my neighbours would have told you something completely different from my pastors. My neighbours would have said they saw bitter arguments, emotional abuse, strife and contention and shouting and all sorts of uh, problems in my stepfamily and my, my immediate family, my extended family, my aunties, my uncles, my grandparents. None of them were Christian. We were the only ones in the whole family on both sides who were Christian, and here we were carrying the name of God in such a way that I remember hearing my family, my aunties, my uncles, and my grandparents would say, well, if that's Christianity, guys, why would we want a part of it? And I remember at the age of 13 being so embarrassed because I had no control over this. I was a kid. And perhaps I was thinking about it, maybe that's why it's so important to me now that my house first is in order before anything else, because I understand that people are watching. You see, God wants to create a community of people here at Public Church who will show the world what God really looks like, a community that carries a name that other people will look at and say, I want that. What is that about you? I want a bit of that. Now, remember the Ten Commandments is the ketubah, the marriage proposal. When you marry someone, you take their name. God is giving them his name. And he's saying, please don't embarrass me. When you walk in relationship with me, my name is now attached to you. Please don't do things that I wouldn't do. And yet we've all been guilty not of taking the Lord's name in vain, but perhaps of using the Lord's name to manipulate things to get our way. Think about it. How many times do you hear a young girl go, God told me I'm going to marry that person? <laughs> that poor guy. It's like, oh no. Or how many times might we say, oh, I'm going to break up with that person and then we use the name of God. God said. Now I'm using, you know, yeah, ooh, ouch. But we all do it, right? 
oh, I think I'm going to, I've heard this, we've heard this at the academy before. God tells a young person to come to the academy at the start of the year, and then when the assignments and everything hit, all of a sudden God changes his mind. And they decide that they might drop out halfway through and all the academy students are like, <laughs> don't do it, guys. Don't drop out. But literally, and I literally, and I say to them, did God change his mind? Did God make a mistake when he told you to come? But you see, we're very easy to use God's name in a way to manipulate. We don't mean it in a, in a bad way, but we just, we do. And God's saying, don't do that. We might not use swear words with Jesus' name, but our whole life represents sometimes the exact opposite of what he's about. So let's have a look at this name. I want to focus on the name and give you four things that I want you to write down. What is it that we're meant to be carrying? Because it was all about this name. What does that mean to carry a name? You know, God, God took his people on a journey where he revealed the full extent of his name from the Old Testament all the way to the New. And I'm going to quickly walk you through that. On what he was doing, he revealed his name slowly through history and slowly through the Old Testament. And this is the first thing that God showed them about his name. Number one, that the name is actually a prophetic utterance of character. Name to the Hebrew people was not just a name, it actually revealed character. That's why all the way through the Bible, we see God changing people's names. From Sarai to Sarah, from Abram to Abraham, from Simon to Peter, from Saul to Paul. Because when they had a change of character, they had a change of name. Why? Because our name reveals character. We're meant to be carrying a name that has a character attached. Okay, little exercise. Turn to someone that you don't know very well and tell them your name and what it means, if you know. Even give them your middle name. What is your, what's your name and what does it mean? Okay, did you learn some interesting things? Okay, does anyone not know the meaning of their name? You need to, no, you need to, maybe, does it not exist, the meaning of your name? Like, is it an unusual name, maybe? Yeah, okay, you guys need to, like, Google the, the, the meaning of your name. Okay, now, very spiritual in our household, my name means born again. I know, right? My mum wasn't even a Christian when she picked it. Cameron's name means crooked nose. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but I, it's trick. That, that's because you Googled Christian meaning of my name. If you just Google meaning of my name, Renee is still born again and Cameron is crooked nose. <laughs> Apparently his spiritual potential. Oh, babe, I'm sorry. My good skateboard. I love you. You know, we actually had a lady in our church. She was a pastor's wife and she ran the kids ministry when I was growing up um, back at Paradise. And her name was actually Offendia. And she offended people all the time, so much so, I literally, I tell you not a lie, she changed her name, didn't she? She changed her name to Angela. I was like, that's powerful, isn't it, that your name can become, uh, your character can become like your name? So the name that God revealed to the Hebrew people, let's look at Exodus 34, verse 6. It says, he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate, 
gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. That definition of the Lord and who the Lord is was repeated right throughout Scripture. So again, in Psalm 103, verse 8, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. That is the God that the Hebrews knew that they were dealing with because that's what God had told them. That's what his name meant. That is what we're meant to be carrying. Graciousness, compassion, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. But from the Old Testament to the New, God kept revealing a different part of his character about his name. The very first time he describes himself is found in the first verse of Genesis chapter 1. Chapter 1 verse verse. Verse 1, in the beginning, God, Elohim, created the heavens and the earth. So the first time God revealed his name, he simply was like, I'm God. Elohim means God. The first time he revealed his name to a person was Abraham. Genesis 17, verses 1 to 2. Now, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, Who am I? I am now God Almighty, El Shaddai. Walk before me and be blameless. I will establish my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you exceedingly. The next time he revealed his name was to Moses. Have a look in Exodus 6, verse 2 to 3. God spoke further to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. Now who is he? Yahweh, Jehovah, or Yehovah. And I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as El Shaddai. But by my name, Lord, Yahweh, Jehovah, I didn't make myself known to them. I didn't make myself known to Abraham as Jehovah. I made myself known to him as El Shaddai. But now, Moses, you know that I'm God, Elohim. I'm God Almighty, El Shaddai, and I'm God Jehovah. Who else did he reveal himself? And I won't go through all the scriptures, but I hope we've got this next screen these are all the ways God revealed himself. El Elyon, the Most High God. Adonai, Lord Master. Nisi, my banner. Jehovah Ra, the Lord, my shepherd. Rapha, the Lord that heals. Shema, the Lord is there. I can't say the next one. Sidkenu. Have you got it? Yes, the Lord, our righteousness. Uh, oh, it gets worse. Mechadikasem. Sorry, I said that really wrong. The Lord who sanctifies you. El Olam, the everlasting God. The jealous God. Jehovah Jireh, the provider. Shalom, the Lord of peace. And Seboah, the Lord of hosts. Can you see what God was doing? And it gets even better. Not only does he reveal himself with all of those names over time, he then, the summation of the name of Jesus was then revealed through the person of Jesus Christ in the New Testament. Philippians 2, 9 to 11. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name. It's above Jehovah Jireh. It's above Shalom. It's above Seboeth. It's above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. So Jesus is now the summation of every name that God had written before. So that's the first thing about the name. It's full of character. Remember, we're meant to be carrying the name. Number two, the name can rest on you and me. The name can rest on us or in us. Exodus 23 verse 20 to 21. See, I am sending an angel ahead of you to guard you along the way 
and to bring you to the place I have prepared. Pay attention to him and listen to what he says. Do not rebel against him. He will not forgive your rebellion since my name is in him. So now the Hebrew people are like, whoa, not only is this name so full of all these amazing character attributes of God, but now he can actually put that name on us or in us. Number three, the name can be lived in. Let's have a look at Micah chapter four, verse five. All the nations may walk in the name of other gods, of their gods, but we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever. Here, the prophet takes God's name further than anyone else. So they knew for the first time in history that someone could define a name as something that could be walked in. In other words, it's a, it's a world of awareness that they could walk in. It's a God consciousness that not only am I aware that God's character is in the name and that that name rests on me, now I can be conscious of it and walk in it all the time. So you can see that the Hebrew people were like, okay, there's so much more to that, carry my name. It can be on you, it can be in you, it can be aware, we should be aware of the presence of God all the time. And if we're not God aware, then we're self-aware. Self-aware leads to walking in the flesh, God aware leads to walking in the spirit. So now not only is, is the name a prophetic utterance of character, not only can this name be on us, but now we can walk in it all the time, consciously. Number four, the name brings about the best life. John 20, verse 31. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Now, there are so many other things I could have showed you about the name, but I just wanted to point out these four today, but there are others. But now, not only is his name a prophetic utterance of character, not only can he put his name on us, not only can we walk in it all the time consciously, but his name that's in us and on us and that we're walking in is meant to bring life to us and to everyone around us. This name, this name and all the prophetic character and power is meant to be carried by us and in us consciously in a way that brings hope and life. All of the, all of the names that we looked at before, provision, peace, God's presence, everything, by carrying the gracious, abounding in love, compassionate life name, when we run into someone, we can minister everything that they need. If I could have the band come. Nasa, Shav, Hashem. Nasa, carry, do not carry. Shav, Hashem, his name, in a way that disappoints. Don't clothe yourself in a way that disappoints. Instead, he's saying, carry my name in a way that brings the hope 
that is in my name. We can minister the name of Jesus. And that's why public church exists. Not just so that we can come and be a community for one another, but so that we can minister the name of Jesus to every single person who we meet. This is your weekly bread, remember, the show bread? This is where we eat as a community together, but then where to go out day by day and carry the name of God and all that that means in a way that ministers everything that other people need. When we run into someone with financial problems, we all have the power of Jehovah Jireh in us to minister to them. Jehovah Jireh, provider. When we run into someone who maybe we can tell they don't have peace in their heart, well, we have shalom in us. We can minister that name to them. When we speak with someone who is alone and lonely, we carry Jehovah Shema. The Lord is here. So God's saying, please don't be a people who carry my name and live however you want. Please don't carry my name and be critical. Please don't carry my name and gossip. Please don't carry my name and not forgive. Please don't carry my name and overlook the poor. Please don't carry my name and overlook the community that you're about to drive past. Please don't carry my name and be judgmental. I just want to finish with this and then I want to pray with you, with all of us. Thursday week ago, Shani and I were in the academy and Shani was teaching and I had just walked out to go to my office and sitting in the waiting room, like the, I don't even know what that room is, it's like the hallway, the entry room where people come in. And by the way, we're in Wollongabba in the city, okay? Sitting there is this little boy in a school uniform with his backpack on and his shirt tucked into his shorts. He looked immaculate and his big hat. I won't tell you what school it is and I don't want to give away too much detail. And he's sitting there and his phone was charging on the wall and he looked up at me and he literally had about three or four tears stuck on his cheek. And his eyes met my eyes. I'm like, what is this boy doing in the middle of a Thursday at about 11.30 at the Youth Alive Academy? And I looked at him and straight away, I felt God whisper to me, I've brought him to you. Nasar Shav Hashem. I knew straight away. And I bent down and I'm like, buddy, what are you doing here? And he wide eyes like a deer in headlights. He goes, I missed my bus. And then I got on the wrong bus and I'm lost. And I'm like, okay, so what did you got off? And you just happened to walk in here. He could have walked into the Oaks building next door. He could have walked into the cafe. He could have walked into the Asian shop. No, instead he found our door, which is not easy to find, by the way. It's literally like you don't know it opens until you go past. And it's like this door in the wall. Nasar, Shav, Hashem. And I knew, I'm like, God has brought him here. He goes, my phone has run out of charge, but I knew that there was more than what he was telling me. I rang his school. I told them what happened. He's in a massive school. They're like, yep, we sent a message to his grandma. I'll give his grandma your name, uh, your number. 
that, and that was it from the school. I was really quite disappointed in the school, to be honest. And the grandma rings me and we organised for him and I, I was chatting to him and I was asking him lots of questions because I was trying to get a, a vibe of his life story. I knew and I could tell. Anyway, his other family member came and picked him up but I rang his grandma back and I said to her, I'm a pastor and I'm a teacher. And I said, do you need help? Because I don't think he came in here by accident today. And she goes, we need help. She's 80. She's raising him on her own. She's raised him since he was a baby. And she told me his whole story. I was literally in tears. Students are walking out. I'm like, and I said to, and this is what she said. She goes, he went from a little school where he had lots of friends and now he's in this really big school and they've all been separated and he's got no friends and I'm losing him. And he is such a good boy, Renee, and he is so sweet and he's so patient. And she told me what he wanted to be. She goes, but he's just withdrawing and he's going into his room every night and he's got, she called them imaginary friends, but she meant online friends and he's playing PS4. And I rang that mentor company, Big Brothers, Big Sisters, and I can't get him in. There's a long as, a weight as list as my arm. And I go, do you know what? I know somewhere where there's lots of big brothers and big sisters. And my husband and I run a church called Public Church. And I told her about you. I told her about the youth group. That was on the Thursday. Sai got the number, ring straight away. Josh Blackburn and him went and picked that little boy up and he went ice skating last Friday night. He was the happiest kid there. He did not get off that ice skate rink for the beginning that he walked on. When he got out, he was saturated apparently. And then they all took him to Macca's. And then the grandma rings me at 10.15 and goes, where is he? I'm like, okay, bad thing on the leader's part. We should have told her a time to expect him. I go, it's okay, he's having a really good time and he's eating lots of Macca's. And I got Josh to ring her. Nassar, Shav, Hashem. How many more of those little boys are out there where we need to carry the name of Jesus? and minister the name of Jesus. That little boy was alone and lost. And now he's going to have more friends than he can poke a stick at. Like, we're going to be his friends if he likes it or not. We're bringing him shalom, peace. We're bringing him shema, the Lord who is here, who sees, 